This is a warning because this episode has swearing in it. From the kitchen table, this is Gate Close Panic. Christine. <laughs> how are you? Good, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. Nice to officially meet yeah. you. Hi. Good. Come on in. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. Thank you for coming. This week's interview is with Phoebe Virgo, a high school teacher. I heard about Phoebe through my mum, and you'll hear her talk a little bit about my mum in the interview. Her name's Anne. Phoebe is as articulate as you'd imagine an English teacher being, and she speaks about the helping hands she had in getting to where she is in a really interesting way. Most of the things that Phoebe has had help in seem small and commonplace, but put together they make a real difference in her career. I wanted to start with the teacher because when we're talking about women's careers, it's a role that's steeped in a lot of traditional notions about the type of work women should do and how that speaks to their particular nature. Phoebe clearly loves her students. She's creative and passionate, but she's also deeply pragmatic, extremely diligent and rational when she speaks about her work. And I think that puts pain to a lot of those traditional ideas. And Phoebe puts pain to the idea that it's easy work or gentle work. Anyway, enjoy. My name's Phoebe Virgo and I'm a teacher at Underdale High School. I've been teaching there for almost six years now, which... I'm very lucky in that I got permanency quite early in my career. I mean, a lot of friends that I went to uni with are still on contract six years out, still doing relief teaching. So I was really lucky that, you know, I got four-year contract straight out of uni and permanency in my second year. So I'm very happy working at this school. It's a, yeah, it's a really great opportunity for me. Yeah. Mm. So maybe just start with whatever age is relevant um, when you started to think about what you wanted to do for work, when um, maybe because you're a teacher, what school was like for you yep. and your experience at uni and then kind of go from there into your work and life. Yeah. So I always knew um, from the from, from when you get to that age at high school, sort of 13, 14, where people start asking you those questions mm-hmm. about what are you going to do with your life because everyone um, knows that at 13. I was really lucky that I did have some idea from the age of 13 about what I wanted to do. I'd always loved reading. I was consuming books from a really young age and I also knew that I wanted to work with teenagers. You know, as a teenager myself, I did a lot of babysitting of young children. I did a couple of work experience things in primary schools um, and it just wasn't quite right. But let's be real, the only career that allows you to read books for fun is being an English teacher. (laughs) (laughs) There's not a lot of um, career options otherwise. (laughs) So, um, and then I was really lucky that in year 11, um, I got this amazing English teacher Um, I went to Marriottville High School Mm -hmm. and she was new to the school and, um, yeah, she was just so calm and friendly and younger as well, which I'd 
you know, I've sort of only had old fuddy-duddy English teachers, as I think most of us have. So to have someone a bit younger and who was obviously really passionate was just sort of solidified that that was, that was it. That's what yeah. I wanted to do. School itself was nothing special either way. It, it just was something we all have to do. And so in that sense, I guess I enjoyed my time at school. But, you know, I didn't get outstanding grades. I didn't, you know, it, it was difficult like it is for all teenagers. Um, but it wasn't something that I was like, yeah, I love school, so I want to be a teacher. It was more about I love reading and I love the learning side of things, so um, I want to continue doing that. Yeah. So then moving into uni, initially I was I, the plan was to take a gap year, as it always is, but mum and dad made it pretty clear that um, if, I, if I wasn't going to be studying, then it was, you know, paying rent and... Getting a job and all yeah. of those things that parents ask you to do. So, oh, well, I may as well study and yeah. um, live for free. <laughs> um, so, yeah, went straight into a Bachelor of Arts, Bachelor of Teaching, mm-hmm. double degree, and English and History were the, were the focus, but more so the English side of things. And, again, it was just consuming books constantly. That's, that's all I wanted to do. You know, English degrees at uni, it's a book a week um, for one English subject, and I was doing two or three a semester. So um, that was probably at the point where my reading for pleasure uh, lagged a bit. <laughs> yeah, I'm familiar with that. <laughs> but it didn't slow down. The, at no point did I think this isn't right. Yeah. It was it was exactly where I was meant to be. I was on the right path and I was I felt so lucky knowing that because it was sort of at that point when yeah, 18, 19, 20 years old when you're looking around at your friends who were floundering and not sure what they want to do, it was it was quite um calming. Yeah. To know that I, I was in the right place and and I'm sure my parents felt the same way. Absolutely. Um, they weren't they weren't stressing about yeah, what I was doing. So um, that was that was really helpful. Mm. So was teaching your first job? I did like casual work throughout uni, okay, like yeah. hospitality, retail mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. And I guess there's the Australian Girls Choir stuff too that I did. Yeah. Um, so as a chorister, when you go through to the end of the Australian Girls Choir at the end of year 12, I was lucky enough to be offered a teaching position with them. Mm-hmm. So I, although once again, that was with younger people it was a good stepping stone learning about um, managing a large group on your own and I was only 18 19 at the time so um, it really honed a lot of those skills early on and and did give me a bit of an edge in the sense of when I started actually doing my teaching prac I already knew a lot about you know voice projection and um, repeating instructions in a different way and that sort of thing yeah but yeah in terms of full-time work teaching is my first job Mm. So as you were getting to the end of uni, was that stuff already kind of on the books? Did you already know you were going to go into a position? No. No, I didn't. So um, at the end of my degree, I, you know, just was applying constantly. I reckon I applied for maybe 60 to 70 jobs, as as most people do um, at the end of a degree, and nothing was happening, but I... The first day of school, um, I had phone calls from three different schools. Um, Two were private schools that were offering me part-time positions Mm -hmm. um, and the other was Underdale High School, which I'd done a placement at in my final year of school, um, of uni, sorry. And 
they were able to offer me full time. And the private system had never appealed to me. So ultimately that's why I went with Underdale. Mm, okay. But that was the first day of school that I got offered the job and I started on the second day of school. So that was a bit intense. <laughs> and what's starting like when you, like in your first teaching job, what, what does your, what do your first few weeks look like? Um, the, the first day I was buddied with the relief teacher that they'd called in in the event that I would say no yeah. to the position. So I just sort of shadowed her and she was really great in the sense that she'd already been relief teaching at the school for some time. So she, um, you know, gave me a bit of insight. But because I'd done my placement there, I already knew so many people. Yeah. Um, I knew the lay of the land. I knew where all the classrooms were. Yeah. But it was it was sink or swim. It's very much like you're just trying to keep your head above water. You're trying to get the kids to like you, uh, make sure they're not going to die in your care <laughs> effectively. Yeah. Um, hopefully my boss doesn't listen to this. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was it was full on, really full on. Yeah. And I was by many, many years the youngest staff member and the youngest female by even more. Mm. The office that I was in, um, there were two other women in the office who were um, nearing retirement, effectively, yeah. age. Yeah. Um, and the wisdom and knowledge that they shared was, well, and still is, one of them still working, is, mm. is outstanding. So, But it's it's all a blur, first year yeah, of teaching. I can imagine. In all honesty. I remember the classes I had. I remember run-ins that I had with students. But that's about it. Yeah. When did it start to feel more natural? When did you start to feel more on top of it? Second year, I second year of teaching, I was given a home group, a year eight home group, yeah. and from day one, I we all got along like a house on fire. There yeah. were these, they're just these gorgeous thirteen year old kids who, you know, bright eyed, bushy tailed mm. young people, and I, for lack of a better phrase, wanted to take ownership of that group. Yeah. And to have them sort of solidifying my day, um, so I saw them every day, um, helping them ease into high school, I was able to sort of say, you know, this is only my second year here and, and, and bond in that way. And that really gave me a grounding, yeah, something to really focus on. Mm-hmm. Um, and they finished school this year. So congratulations. Well, thank you. Emotional end <laughs> oh, of year. It was very hard. So that was their formal that yeah. you were at last week. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And they're at school these this weekend. <laughs> that feels less nostalgic. Oh, I'm watching the news going, are they alive? Like <laughs> some girl got punched. I hope it wasn't one of mine. <laughs> After you've done so well to make sure that they all survived. I know. I know. Yeah. No, it, and it definitely did feel, you know, I got some beautiful cards at the end of it where they were all sort of saying, you know, you were like a big sister and and that sort of stuff which is hard because you you try to maintain that line as a teacher obviously that you you want to keep your authority and that sort of thing but when you work with kids every day for five years you let your your bit of yourself in yeah as you have to yeah otherwise you're not a person to them Mm. yeah well speaking of that in a way what's it like interpersonally for you working in a school with staff um, depends on the day, whether that's a, how, whether that's to do with my emotional headset or others. Mm-hmm. It's hard in the sense, again, I'm, I'm still one of the youngest staff members. Yeah. 
so there was a year there where I had a, a really good work friend um, sharing an office with me and, and that that was amazing, having that another young female to work with mm. and I've, I've definitely really missed that. That being said, I have an outstanding mentor in your lovely mother. <laughs> um, so working with her is often the highlight of the day um, and when she's away <laughs> on those rare occasions, she takes a day off, I really notice it. Mm. Um, just having a sounding board yeah. with so much experience and so much passion is um, – Oh, it's huge. Yeah. I don't know how people work without having a person like that, that yeah. um, to, to emulate and to, to work with. Yeah. But, I mean, that being said, we're a small school, mm-hmm. um, so it's everyone knows everyone's business, which can which, which is good and bad. You know, I've got friends who work at really big schools and have been there for two to three years and still don't know every staff member's name. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, I prefer... The environment that I'm in at Underdale because I know everyone, I know what faculties are working on, I know what our goals are commonly as a school, mm-hmm. but it can get a little bit, oh, what's the word, where you're all cramped in the big space. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and also almost a little bit like, um, not like a bit like a mob mentality, not in the sense of violence or anything, but you know, if something happens and everyone is upset about it, it can get a bit overwhelming in that yeah. sense. So okay. there's pros and cons to it, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, and what what do you think is sort of particular about your experience as the youngest female staff member at the school? A big part of it has been um, going into leadership so early in yeah. my career. So in my second year of teaching, there were two year-level coordinator positions that came up mm-hmm. and a majority of the people who I knew were applying were young men Mm. Um, and it wasn't something that I was overly interested in Mm. Um, it's not something I'd thought about when I was at uni it was always just I'm going to be a teacher and so sort of just on a whim I applied for the position Um, I actually think I wrote my application like the day before it was due Um, and it was more about just going through the process to see what it was like getting some feedback about where I'm at 18 months into this career and then I got it and suddenly I was 21 and managing a cohort of 112 year eights and their behavior and their families and all the issues that come with that Mm. and I think not that I ever heard anything officially (laughs) but I do think there was was some concern from people that I was so young in this role Um, so I definitely felt a need to prove myself mm. and I think I've probably had that ever since. Yeah. Rightly or wrongly, that's that's just how it's been. Mm. <clears throat> Talk to me a little bit about what, obviously I already know this, but, you know, that <laughs> <laughs> everybody does. Talk to me a bit about the school itself, what it's like, what the community is like around the school and mm-hmm. what it's like to... Um, kind of be part of that yeah so um geographically underdale is west of the adelaide city um it's sort of in between the beach and the city so um there's quite a high population of a range of ethnicities Mm. so our school itself um 70 of the students come from non-english speaking backgrounds but where some other schools in the area have sort of one particular um ethnicity 
density, so whether that's Greek or um, African or whatever, mm. we've got a huge range. I think it's something like 37 different countries represented in our school of 500 kids. Wow. Um, so in that sense, it's really different from what I grew up with in my school, which although is an international school, it, that was mostly sort of um, Asian international students who came from quite wealthy families. Education was a real priority for them. That's why they'd come to Australia. Whereas our students um, come from a range of backgrounds in terms of some of them experienced, you know, war trauma, some of them are refugees, some have parents who are illiterate. So we've got a huge range and that's been a huge learning curve in itself as a teacher. Yeah. And I, I mean, like I talk to friends who, who work out in the country and they talk about the fact that they've got two students who are from non-English speaking backgrounds. Everyone else is your classic white Australian. So the experience I'm having, I think, is very different yeah. um, from a lot of other teachers my age. Mm. Has it changed what what you're expecting, presumably, when you were thinking about yourself becoming an English teacher? Mm. Has being in that demographic really radically changed the experience of being an English teacher, do you think? Um, <clears throat> it probably has, but I wouldn't know it. Yeah. Because I don't know any different. Mm. But we are lucky in the sense that because we have such a wide breadth, I mean, we have these kids who we're effectively teaching to read at the yeah. age of 14. Yeah. But then we also have kids who they want to study the literature and they want to, some of them even want to study English. So I'm really lucky in the sense that I've had that balance. Yeah. I've been given the opportunity to teach in the senior school at all the different levels of English. So I've I've worked with those English studies kids who um, we know that university is their goal. We know that their literacy skills are really high yeah. versus working with um, kids who maybe learned to read in the last two years. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so changing tack slightly, mm -hmm. I want to talk a bit about money. Mm -hmm. So in terms of your work um, and over the last six years being a teacher, has it, has it sort of afforded you everything that you wanted or everything that you need? Has it met all of those goals or mm -hmm. needs or whatever they might be? Yeah. Um, look, I'm really lucky that I have incredibly supportive parents. Um, so as I said earlier, all throughout uni, I, I live with my parents mm. at no cost to myself. Um, I was working casual jobs, but all of that money was disposable for me. So I was able to travel and you know, do my own thing in that sense with very little issue. Yeah. And then going into a full-time career, my parents basically said that I could live at home for as long as I wanted or needed. Um, once I was working full-time, I paid a pittance of rent. I think it was like $100 a week. Yeah. But that was – and that was everything, you know. Yeah. Mum did all the shopping and Dad did all the washing and yeah. <laughs> bills and all that sort of stuff. And um, what that allowed me was – Again, a, a lot of disposable income. Mm. Um, so I was able to save. And then in addition to getting leadership so early on, which is a huge jump in pay. Yes. Um, as a first-year teacher, you're earning maybe, um, I think I think a first-year out teacher, it's like 59000 a year, something mm. like that. Jumping up to leadership, which is 90-something thousand. Yeah, right. So suddenly I, had, <laughs> I was, you know, making it rain. Um, <laughs> Uh, so I, yeah, I was able to, um, stay at home with mum and dad and save. And yeah. then 
almost three years ago I, I bought this apartment. Yeah. I was able to save a house deposit and bought this apartment, yeah. which I, I was the first in my friendship group to be able to do that. Mm. That being said, I think being single was a positive yeah. um, because there was no – I was just able to go, this is what I want and this is where I want it to be and um, – that was all I needed to focus on. I, yeah. I didn't have someone else trying to say, oh, well, maybe we should do this instead, we should do this. It was just all about what I wanted and needed. And, yeah. and that's been so uh, liberating. Yeah. that I mean, that delivers nicely into what I was going to ask next, which is essentially, do you feel like there are any remarkable leg-ups that you've had, apart from, obviously, parents, mm. or um, hurdles that you've had along the way to kind of getting mm. where you are now? professionally in terms of hurdles I don't think so I mean other than just your day-to-day challenges as a teacher you know you come home crying and um you wake up with your eyes all puffy and have to wear extra makeup that day I've I've been incredibly lucky yeah incredibly lucky I mean uh, they say that you know the first five years if you're teaching are the hardest and if you survive those first five years then it's a career for life Mm. and yeah those first five years were really hard but so is my sixth year. So yeah, I think it's just about being resilient and, mm. but also knowing that for so long this is what I wanted yeah. um, and I've achieved it. And, yes, I've had people help me along the way. I mean, there was my, my mentor teacher who at Underdale who um, recommended me for the contract in the first place. You know, if I hadn't had her, I wouldn't have, have got to this point. Mm. Then there was um, Anne offering me the opportunity to do team teaching with her in my first year, which... I definitely think built up my teaching skills a lot quicker than they would have in any other situation. Um, so things like that, but but I feel like they could happen to anyone yeah. in this career. Yeah, I, I'm just lucky that I've met some great people along the way. Mm. What if anything is next? What do you want to do in the future? What do you want to change? That's changing day to day, in all honesty. Okay. So I have, over the last, since that initial leadership role, I've been acting in several other roles, mm. which had its pros and cons. And I definitely felt there was an expectation from the leaders at my school that that's where I am going to end up. Yeah. But not all of my experiences in leadership have been positive. You know, as I said, I became a teacher to be a teacher. Mm. And although I know that as a leader you can have a wider influence, I don't feel like it's as strong. I mean, I'm not going to get beautiful cards from young people if I'm a deputy principal who can't teach. Do you know what I mean? So I think that's the impact that I like to have. Um, And for right now I'm happy having that impact at Underdale. Initially I sort of thought I'd see that group of kids through that finished this year and then see what else was out there and I did do that I did look at um, other schools and other job opportunities um, earlier this year Mm. but they were all leadership and I'm I'm still not sure that that's where I want to end up you know six years into a what I hope will be a you know 40-year career there's plenty of time that being said I am always looking for new challenges, mm-hmm. so ways to work into my teaching, things I haven't done before. So, for example, next year I've opted to take our Year 12 ESL class, um, which is something I've never taught before, yeah. um, and that's going to be it's two different subjects in the one class. So little things like that that, that keep it interesting. Yeah. 
working with another group of young people who they'll be in year 10 next year and I've taught them since year 8 working through with them and working with a great teaching team with that year level as well mm -hmm. trying to implement some new ideas within the school in terms of running common programs across a year level um, experimenting with different teaching methods and what works and what doesn't things like that yeah. I think that I will keep me going yeah that's it that's it. That's it. Wow. <laughs> you did it. <laughs> um, before, before we completely wrap up, is there anything you feel like I have missed that you think is pertinent to your story professionally? Um, I guess the only thing I would add is that teachers do get a bit of a bad rap and it's so... It's so cliched and I hate it so much. You know, the whole, oh, 12 weeks holidays. Oh, nine till three. Yeah. Um, come shadow me for a day. Yeah. Like <laughs> that sort of stuff. And I think in that sense, um, you know, yeah, there are some days that I leave work at 3.30. But there are also days where I leave work at 5.30 and I get home and I keep working until 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock. Yeah. There are weekends that are entirely dedicated to doing work. And I know that everyone's job is hard, but... There aren't any lawyers that have to have 30 clients in a room at one time. Mm. You know, there aren't any doctors that have to have 30 patients in a room at one time mm. um, and have to meet all those patients' needs within that. So I guess in that sense, I, I, I would just want to, yeah, get across that teaching is so rewarding but so difficult mm. but so rewarding. How <laughs> <I'm> sad. <laughs> okay. We did awesome. it. Easy. Thank you. You're very welcome. That Thank you. Oh, I'm glad. If you'd like to ask a question about the podcast or Phoebe or anything else, or if you know a woman or a non-binary person you'd like to hear interviewed, reach out to us on our social. Also head over to our Instagram at gateclosedpanic to see a little video of Phoebe talking about how she starts her days. As always, follow, share and like us in all the right places. I've been Saren Bell. This has been Gate Close Panic. I'll see you next week.